0: it's golden hour adventure time featuring everyday people doing extraordinary things from the peaks of victory to the valleys of defeat these are their stories now from the back of the pack your host justin and robbie
1: welcome to golden hour adventures today's guest is steve carter steve welcome to the show
2: hey thank you appreciate it robbie and justin thanks for having me here absolutely man
1: yeah thanks for coming on so uh Tell us a little about yourself, Steve. How would you get into endurance sports, uh, where you grew up, that kind of stuff? Have you played any childhood sports or anything like that?
2: Oh, sure. I guess I'm going to be doing a lot of talking for a few minutes because this is kind of (laughs) a long story that hopefully doesn't get too convoluted along the way. Uh, Right now, I'm 43 years old. I live in San Antonio, Texas, by way of graduating high school in a small town north of Ann Arbor, Michigan called Pinckney. And uh, after that, I joined the United States Air Force because I really didn't want to go to college. I found myself several different places around the world. And uh, when I went to Korea in 2016, uh, I was a runner, but I went over there with a stress fracture. I bought a road bike when I got there and started doing a little bit of road riding and uh, fell in love with the endurance stuff. I'd really not done much endurance stuff. I'd run a marathon in 2014 that was a terrible time on the road here in San Antonio and had no idea what I was getting into. Um, found the endurance stuff, hung out with the uh, exercise physiologist of the base, and he kind of took me under his wing and showed me showed me the way, came back to Texas, and just really started getting after it almost every day. Uh, that's That's kind of how I live now. Retired from the Air Force in 2019, and pretty much every day I take my kids to school, and then I'm out on the bike or out doing a run And then, uh, kids and family and evening.
0: Nice. Yeah. I just looked on your Strava and I saw that you did 178 miles of biking this week. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Uh, (laughs) the mileage, the mileage is relative because I did spend a good amount of time on the mountain bike. So I really like to track that stuff by time. The goal is 12 hours a week. And, uh, I think I'm right there at 12 hours a week. So that's insane.
1: You just completed a race today, didn't you?
2: Yes, there was a uh, Texas Mountain Bike Racing Association event race up at uh, Flat Rock Ranch, which is one of the one of the well known mountain bike uh, venues in Texas. Pretty close here to San Antonio, and uh, it, was, it was a good time. Uh, we got to do it now before it gets too hot down here.
1: Uh, that's true. So, how did how did you get into the ultra running scene?
2: Uh, wow. Uh, where it morphed from, I'm not really sure. I had a friend in Korea who was doing like UTMB stuff and, and crazy training. I always, I always knew of his events. I went and visited him while I was over there. He lived up in Seoul and I was probably about four hours South. And, uh, I just kind of watched what he did. And he was always a big, uh, big inspiration for me on the running side. So he was doing all that crazy stuff and when I got back to the states I always had this this marathon that that I'd run. I did a a couple half marathons over there in Korea but was still kind of scared of the marathon. And then uh first race was Bandera Ultra Marathon race was Bandera 2018. And uh Oh no, so I'd done that before Korea. I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. I get my my years mixed up.
1: <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, but the, I guess then I really just wanted to see what you know what was possible after Taking on the fitness and, and gaining a lot of fitness. So since what then, your, I 50k's.
1: What was your uh, distance you ran for your first ultra?
2: Uh, the first ultra was Bandera 50k. Yes, um, and 50K. I've done okay. I have not done that again. It was actually a pretty slow 50k. Uh, it, it weighs on me. I registered for that one in 2022, and then uh, I got I got sick and couldn't start that race. But uh, the, I got to get back out there after the 50k again. I'd like to, I'd like to better that time. Um, but I've also run the 100k out there at Bandera twice.
0: I've heard it's oh, nice. a sneaky race.
2: Good elevation. Um, all the rocks move underneath your feet. My my feet they just straight tingle for a week after that run.
0: <laughs> the
2: bottom of your feet are just
0: raw. That's how Black <laughs> Canyon was. Black Canyon just like. It just those rocks not not those used rocks. to running in them and they come you know i was just like oh my gosh yeah
1: So like running on ball bearings <laughs>
2: <laughs> bigger <laughs> bigger they just bigger go bearings. yeah they, got... <laughs> they do at times yeah and i mean you're talking like rocky technical climbs and descents
0: yeah, i was watching the live stream this this uh this year i guess Air Viper went out there for the first time and did the live stream they- on that race
2: and I was like,
0: it, some of those climbs, I'm like, uh, is this Texas or where, where are we at here? I was so surprised at how how steep some of the climbs were. And yeah, you're right. They look like they were climbing boulders at some point. There's somewhere between like six and 7,000 feet of elevation in that 100K. It looked like all of it was in one climb. <laughs> oh, no. There's some really tough climbs. Yeah. So Have you just done like any other.
2: Um, so the other 100K that I ran was uh, the Badger up in Wisconsin. Oh, and 10 uh, 10 miles. say that again, 10 jump miles. Yes, miles, correct. Yeah. Yes. So uh, the polar opposite of Bandera, that one was extremely flat. It's on a rails to trails course. You run out 31 miles and then you turn around and run back. Uh, there was a tunnel that had some construction, so they had to reroute us through a neighborhood in what was that July of 2022. Uh, that one had a little bit of elevation, but it just—I mean—flat rails to trails course.
1: So, so what was your what other races have you? Run? That's where
2: the hundred K PR.
1: Hundred K PR. <laughs> <laughs> what other races have you run? What distances, excuse me? Distances and, have and you run?
2: I have never done a fifty miler. Uh, I went straight from the fifty K to the the hundred K. Um,
1: Why not double it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why not double it? And the other was Rocky 100. That the Justin was that down there. We didn't uh, cross paths, but that was my first hundred miler back in February of 2023.
1: Oh, congratulations! Yeah, nice. thank you.
2: Man.
1: Tell us about tell us about your training for Rocky raccoon and how'd that go? What what were you looking at, and for weekly mileage or hours, maybe? um
2: Yeah, so I'm kind of a kind of a i go against the norm on that. Um, As Justin mentioned earlier you know I have this uh these bike miles and so a lot of my training comes from riding the bike and very little comes from running (laughs) I wish I could give you a number on what kind of mileage I had going into Rocky for a run I can tell you that my longest run before that was Bandera 100k about a month prior and uh before that all the training for Bandera 100k was not where I wanted it to be I spent 20 as roughly 24 days on the road crewing for a guy who ran across the state of Texas. And, uh, we were very successful. He did it in 19 days. I thought I was going to run with him a lot more. And the the crewing duties were way more inclusive than I ever expected them to be, which they should be right. Like I don't know why I was trying to be selfish and think I'm still going to train while I'm giving my time and energy and efforts to help this guy be successful. Um, but, for some reason i thought i'd still get some training in and it was nowhere near where probably anybody would have wanted it to be so i definitely suffered at bandera and then uh i i suffered at rocky also but you know there's kind of this like i'm not going to quit i'm going to get it done and i finished what i set out to do um i've had things that i've quit at before and they haunt me so i just don't let that happen
0: and we figured it out. He beat me at Rocky with no running miles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: interested uh, to hear about this. Uh, how many miles did that guy? Was it the run across Texas? Was it like the widest part, or is it just whatever route they pick?
2: Yeah, he started the day after Thanksgiving, and uh, we were in El Paso, Texas. We all spent Thanksgiving together, and then he ran from there to Logansport, Louisiana. We routed out, of course, pretty much straight across the widest part of Texas. You're looking somewhere between 840 and 850 miles when you kind of do the math on that. In 19 days, averages about 43, 44 miles a day. His shortest day was a 50K, and his longest day was somewhere around 53 or 54 miles. No days off, no break, every single day getting after it. And not just that, but running it faster than most of us would run an ultra, Without having an ultra on our legs already.
1: Oh, jeez, yeah. I can only imagine the the buildup after those days of how his legs felt.
2: <laughs>
0: yes,
1: fifty after fifty.
0: That's like what so Mike uh, Wardian did a couple of years ago, or like last year or something. When he ran across America, he was doing like fifty mile days, and I'm just like, yeah, and like not not slow fifty mile days either. Just right. Just, people that can do stuff like that just amaze me.
2: Yeah, I was. Uh, I was just really humble to be part of it and and you know just be right there in the mix seeing it all go down was that an Uh, fkt or it 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 will be an fkt he's going to submit it okay cool
1: where can people uh, find that to check that out
2: um actually we have a documentary coming out about that it's uh it's it's coming out through white cloud media here locally in san antonio texas we're gonna they're gonna enter that into some film festivals and whatnot and then uh I, it should be released soon with a link uh, to, to share. We sat a week, two weeks ago, two, this coming Tuesday, we sat and watched the premiere of it at a uh, at an actual movie theater, which was pretty neat to do and uh, and I get bet. to see.
1: Nice. Well, let's uh, hear about your Rocky Raccoon, uh, first 100 miler. Sure. Walk us, through, walk us through the start all the way to the finish. We'd love to hear these stories.
2: So I know the course at Rocky, I I uh, paced two years ago or three years ago for my friend Jen out there, did the whole last loop with her. So I've seen, I've seen everything there is to see out there. Uh, the year before that, I actually tore down the course after the 50, the following weekend. Um, I swept for the half marathon. And so I've, I've been out there a good bit. I've even ridden the mountain bike on those trails. And uh, I, I kind of knew what I was getting into as far as terrain. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting into as far as uncharted territory and that kind of endurance with very low running on my legs. So pretty much was great through 50 miles. I'm thinking I'm going to be sub 24. There's no problem. You know, I'm at 11 and a half hours coming up to 50 miles doing great. Uh, I get a pacer. We do five miles, get in and uh, my wife, and my kids are there. No, I'm sorry. Uh, they weren't there yet. I got that. Yeah, they were. Sorry. And then I uh, start lap four and, uh, my son comes out with me. My 11 year old son, Roman gets to run five miles with me. Awesome. Uh, at the start of lap four, which was just, I mean, he, he actually looked at me at some point, you know, as we're, and I'm suffering. I mean, I've, I've got the the stick holes <laughs> and I'm just, I'm barely, barely waddling through. <laughs> the rails. He goes, dad, when I run my first hundred miler, will you be there with me? And I'm just oh. like, I'm, you know, you're already emotional at that point in the race. Right and uh i'm just i i didn't even i'm of course i'll be there right but what do you say and so that just kept me going it keeps you moving forward and then uh justin you know that out and back on the uh on the jeep road so i i didn't do that with me it's it's a it's a miserable part of the course and uh (laughs) so i i let my wife come i was like hey come get him put him to bed you know it's late at night anyways uh we started right after dark so put him to bed. And then uh, I did that five miles solo came back around to the, the halfway point, which was what, right about 70. And that's where my wife met me. And, uh, she did the 10 miles with me on, on loop four coming in.
0: Oh, she got to do that third section. And We that spent third four and a half
2: hours to go. She did a uh, four and a half hours worth. And, uh, she, she was a little bit chilly. She She didn't dress appropriately. She thought we were going to be running a lot more. So uh, she was pretty darn <laughs> cold. And I just told her we got four and a half hours out there on the trails together. You know, <laughs> she, she could be happy about it. Um, she she was at the finish line for my Bandera 100K finish uh, the month prior. So getting her to come out there and pace with me was, was really, really cool. And then uh, my friend Jesse, she met me for the last loop and she did the last 20 miles with me. Um, for her, it was uncharted territory also. Uh, she had only done a half marathon distance before that. So to come out and pace with me when I'm already in uncharted territory as well. I just love that, you know, I'm, I'm taking her somewhere. She's never been and she's with me to take, it's taking me somewhere. I've never been, I wouldn't have it any other way, you know, get a best friend out there to get out and pace with you was really cool. Took a long time uh, in the dark coming back down that section of the uh, Jeep road, right around the 24 hour mark. I was, I, I literally had an out of body experience falling asleep, walking down the trail. And she just made sure I didn't trip or step on anything. You know, that's why the pacers are so critical. Um, and then when the sun came up, it kind of breathed new life. You know, you're, you're like, okay, it's a new day. Let's go. Let's get this over with. Uh, I thought i would be a lot closer to the 24 hour mark uh, after the sun came up, but it was it was a tough slog in for the barely 29 hour finish.
0: Did you have a? I like the use of slog. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a, a goal or was it just a finish?
2: Oh, well, I mean, I, I think, I think in this, in this game, uh, uh, I've been told a goal, beagle, seagull, goal, goal, right? So the a goal 100%. was probably, you know, 24, um, the beagle. I mean, I don't even know what that was probably, I, I don't even know. Uh, but, but uh, you know that was probably the B goal was 29 i don't remember um uh, what is it a 32 hour cutoff if i remember correctly
0: uh it was a 32 yeah yeah so creeping darn close to that
2: but, but how are those last your... miles coming in uh i mean you know the emotions flow right it's 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 an undertaking you're uh i know that my wife and kids are there at the finish line waiting, um, a whole group of people from the trail running community and veteran, uh, community of band of runners that I hang out with. They were all there waiting. Also, uh, they all knew it was my first hundred miler. And, uh, and that was really cool. Of course the race director and, uh, and others within the uh, race directors organization that I'm pretty close with because it's a Texas run event. So it was really neat. Just getting to, to share that with, uh, with everybody the uh the wild part and Justin you may have seen this was shortly after I finished um I don't I don't drink so i'm I'm there celebrating with a mountain dew that's my that's my go-to uh not just when I'm recovering from a run but any time of day really uh, <laughs> they're, they're caffeinating myself with a mountain dew and my daughter comes over and she says hey uh Roman fell and I was like okay tell him tell him to get up I mean I I <laughs> out of it right and my wife was <laughs> at, at camp where i had stayed the night before packing up the tent and getting everything ready so we could, could start heading back and uh she goes dad he's not he's not moving so myself and a friend of mine who's uh who's a, a surgeon she we both rushed over and uh, his eyes were glossed over and he had a little bit of a uh, little bubbling of the mouth saliva wise and he, he i mean i i I hate for anybody to have to see their child like that, but I remember it. I just, it was, uh, it was a really tough one because of what I had already done (laughs) throughout the last 30 some hours. Right. And, uh, we wound up getting an ambulance and he went to the emergency room with a concussion and a broken wrist. Oh no. So I actually wound up getting a ride from a friend, a race director of another race. And, uh, that's, within the tejas trails organization and they he drove me there thankfully because i I was in no condition um i kind of slept in the truck after i checked in with the family and then i wound up driving home really really tired like a lot later than i expected to to get home
0: yeah that's crazy because we were sitting right by the park um we had finished already and we're sitting right by it and um my cousin was there crewing and she had just uh she was kind of like her Her chair was pointed towards the playground because we are just sitting in a circle. And she saw it happen and ran over there and was the one like, "Call, hey, call somebody, you know. So she was one of the first people to see it. And so like I was that's kind of crazy. Like I started getting chill bumps when you were mentioning that because I, you know, I, we were sitting right there when everything was happening.
2: Yeah, for um for such a big world, you know, you being in Alaska, me being in Texas and you know, now knowing our military connection in the Air Force, and uh, knowing that you're right there, you were right behind me on the run. You know what a what a small world when this it is such a Small world, ultra
0: running. And I, I wasn't even the one that found you as a guest. Robbie's the one that found you as a guest. So it's like <laughs> it's it's even more small circle that you know it's coming back around. To, like I know to- he he told me you ran Rocky and you know gave me a little bit, but I don't like to do a lot of research on the guests because it. You know, it kind of takes a lot of the the story out of it. I like to hear the story as well.
2: Well, there's no way possible you could have known that part in the end of that story. No, definitely
0: not. <laughs> but that's crazy because, like, I was right there when that happened. That's nuts. Yeah. But I wasn't. Um, I wasn't gonna like. No offense, I wasn't jumping up to <laughs> to go help. Believe me, I don't think I even wanted to. Um,
2: <laughs> they brought me a chair over, and I sat there and just kind of, kind of in a daze watched what was going on as my son got loaded onto the gurney and into the back of the And then my wife, you know, had a vehicle, I had a vehicle. So neither of us could ride in the ambulance with him. She had to follow the ambulance. And then I got the ride to the hospital. It was just this wild sequence of events. And uh, Chris talks about it. You know, the race director is like, this is the, this is the craziest story finished to a hundred miler I've ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So I, uh, couldn't, uh, I couldn't imagine the motions of you just finishing your first 100 miler, then to your kid being unconscious. Yes. Falling down. Um, do you think that was your fastest uh, sprint over to him? <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> Definitely. I mean, we're still using the poles like to get over there. <laughs> I, it, it was well, once
2: I collected myself with the actual thought of what was going on, just moving over there and then stepping over the barricade that keeps the mulch inside the playground.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty wild. Um, I, And I'll never forget, you know, we got a hold of my wife and she rushed back over, but I don't think it got super real to me of the seriousness or what had happened until I saw the look on her face when she looked him in the eyes. You know, I mean, I, I'll probably tear up just talking about that, but you know, her, her reaction to it was just way different than mine. And I think rightfully so with my, my headspace that I was in then, but yeah, she, I'll never forget the, the look on her face when she saw him. Well, I don't wait, think he will either. I think he saw it too. Or my daughter saw it one of the two, but yeah, it was, that was pretty all wild. all things
1: you, all things you remember is after hundred miles. that <laughs> I'm sure yes. you remember a lot more, but.
2: <laughs> that sticks uh, out um the race itself sticks out also but i feel like yeah i'd like to i'd like to do another one and uh and and see if the the end result can be one faster and different uh in what happens after you cross the finish line too
1: you know i'm a big person in blaming you know things are meant to happen um i don't know why that happened but for some reasons you know stuff just happens and uh maybe you were it was meant to be more present at that time and moment on something else than yourself. I don't, I don't know, but uh, man, I'm glad he's okay.
2: Yes. Yes. He got his cast off uh, a couple of weeks ago. The concussion protocol at school lasted for maybe three weeks. And then uh, it's kind of back to normal. We're back to playing baseball and and things are good.
1: Wow. These are the stories that we uh, always want to hear. I mean, it's yeah. always not rainbows and you know butterflies at a finishes a hundred mile or <laughs> the stuff just happens. Right.
0: Hey, I, yeah. I have a question I, about maybe not necessarily Rocky or you know, it could be Rocky Bandera, but you know, in your in your ultra running or ultra cycling uh experience, what's something that's embarrassing that's happened? <laughs> 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 there there's gotta be an embarrassing story there, like This is how we get to know you. Like tell us something, tell us something (laughs) funny, embarrassing. So this is the great part about like just these
2: questions, even with
0: the, with the trans
2: Texas thing that we did. And there would be these questions that came up with the documentary throughout, throughout the, the run. And they'd ask me questions and I would just clam up. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I don't know that I have the immediate response thought process in my head to be like, yeah, that's it. And so I would struggle with them all the time. And 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 same with this question. Like, I just don't know that I have a real embarrassing story from a race looking back. Okay. Um give it time.
0: Give it <laughs> 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 Well, if you think know, of you something can... later on, just, just jump in with it.
2: Sure. Whether I think about it here or it happens at my very next ultra marathon.
0: It Thank will, it for sure. <laughs> You're
1: welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we've all, we've all got those stories. Once you spend more time on the trails, maybe, maybe there's some things that you know you maybe don't get embarrassed over some of the stuff that embarrassed other people. Maybe no. <laughs> so. We had one guy on here that uh, pretty much had to use the bathroom and <laughs> got a little bit on himself and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. Some people that doesn't phase
0: <laughs> well, that was me.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I, and maybe I just uh speculate that that happens to everyone, and so oh, it's not yeah.
0: a... <laughs> mine was 100%. On my, mine was on my pack though, so yeah, I thought I put it further enough away. It, I didn't. <laughs>
2: I did, I did a ultra marathon series here in Texas last year over the summer starts in June, runs through July, and into August. It's four 60K runs that are each three weeks apart that progressively get more challenging in elevation and uh I guess location, but I guess location doesn't really matter, but challenging in the elevation, right? The, the distance doesn't change. Uh And it's just they start at 7 p.m. in the Texas summer. You're running into the night. Uh, it's the longest-running night trail series in the country. Cool. And upon completion, you do earn a buckle for the 240 kilometers that that takes to cover. So that was pretty neat. The the guy that drove me to the hospital was the race director for that for that oh, series.
0: Cool. Is that a Taos yeah. Trails? It it
2: falls under the- yes. Yeah, it's that called the like Cap- Captain Car, but it falls under the That,
1: that sounds like a fun event starting a night and Free. did they have like aid stations and stuff was it like an official official oh, okay. more like...
2: yes there are aid stations yeah Okay. Oh, oh cool so i mean even then though like those nighttime okay maybe i do have a story but i don't uh, know if i
0: knew it, it was there <laughs>
2: <laughs> so here we are right i'm racking my brain on them um and all of my close friends will remember, or they'll be like, they know exactly what story I'm about to tell, but it is <laughs> our series. It was not last summer's series, but it was the previous summer. I went out and tried, I did the first two 60Ks. And on the third one, I had only signed up for the 30K um because I wasn't able to make the last 60K. I was doing the hotter than hell in Wichita Falls that same day that the, that race was. So I didn't, I didn't have the fourth one planned, but on the third one, I DNF'd and that's what drove me to do the series again this past summer and complete all four of them. However, on the very first one of doing all of this, where I probably learned the most as an ultra runner, um, I wore a new pair of shorts that never worn before, and I'm watching your faces <laughs> to see if I can. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Here we go. Well, well uh, do we got to know. Did they have? About,
1: were they linerless, or did,
2: did they, they know have a liner? They, they have a liner.
0: Yep. Okay. Already, it was already Shorts liner. Yeah. It wasn't the uh,
2: <laughs> the brief liner.
0: I have thunder thighs, so I know where this is going. Uh, unreal,
2: <laughs> uh, unreal and very painful testicle chafing.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: That's not where you thought it was going on.
0: It wasn't. No, it totally wasn't. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. I'm. Ta- I had, did you find
1: uh, out? Uh, how was the shower?
2: <laughs> well, It wasn't terrible. <laughs> I, I did so much on course to try and mitigate the pain. Um, I had a water hose at one point and I just, I mean, at an aid station and just sprayed myself with the water hose trying to relieve any kind of issues, right? And this is before, I think that was before starting the second lap of this 60k run. So it's 230k laps. Fortunately for me, the race is in the dark. <laughs> Oh my god. Though, <laughs> I was able to pull the waistband below everything <laughs> and have, I have right. the trigger berries out for the whole second lap.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm I
0: love it. I'm, oh, you I might have to it. repeat that cuz I don't know if we got it recorded or not. You might have oh. to repeat
2: this one's gonna require some editing then. Uh I said I had the I had the twig and berries out <laughs> for the whole second lap.
1: I didn't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, did it feel better?
2: Uh it actually definitely uh took care of some of the pain. It it was no longer no longer creating that chafing issue. So yes, I was able to finish the race. I don't think if it was a day race, I would have been finishing that race. It was a definite DNF. If there was any kind of Uh, daylight.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't imagine that's something you can do during the
2: daytime. (laughs) (laughs) um, Did you imagine the race
0: photographer seeing that from a distance? (laughs) So
2: there aren't any photographers, but I did check with the race director afterward to be like, hey, y'all don't stage trail cameras out there anywhere. You're not taking pictures dark of us, you know, unknowingly, right? Because if you are the dude in the yellow shorts, as soon as you see it, delete it
0: i don't know i might have had to buy that one just for the story later
1: on yeah 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 i would that would be like your own personal one you know yeah your memoirs of ultra running or ultra in sports (laughs) i was with a a guy that uh he that
2: one only took a minute
1: (laughs) i ran with a guy and it was his first trail race and uh it was a it was a 25 miler but we ran through like some really sandy sections and everything was good. Then uh, we went back to the hotel and he's like, let's go get in the hot tub. I'm like, all right. And uh, he gets in the hot tub and he starts screaming. I'm like, what's wrong, man? You all right? And then he didn't realize that he had shaved the whole time until he sat in that hot tub. Then it was, yeah. uh, it was something. Cause the next day he was still, he was still in a bunch of pain. He couldn't figure it out. I was like, Told you, you know, you got to make sure your shorts are good.
2: Sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, that rule of thumb of don't do anything new on race day.
0: You know, you, right? uh, <laughs> right, you learn the hard way.
2: I'd probably. Right. Or you learn. I'd probably run a 5k or a 10k in these shorts, but, you know, never an ultra. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what's, the, what's the brand so people can stay away from them? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh. I'm gonna get a bunch of hate mail from that. <laughs> for me, should I share? Go for it. I think go, called,
1: go for it if you want to.
2: I think they're called Fabletic. I'd have to look, but I think that I see, that's- I see oh, those yeah. advertised yeah. a lot. Yeah. I've never yeah. bought any. But...
1: Yeah, I've heard of those too.
2: Well,
0: uh, <laughs> now I know.
2: Sorry, Fabletic. But oh <laughs> man, send a- me tubs of uh, anti-chafing cream, and then I'll uh, I can give a better endorsement. I don't know.
0: And this podcast is, uh, (laughs) sponsored by Fabletic. So go out and get your,
1: (laughs) if you want to run your, uh, ultra with your twig and berry hanging out, Fab Athletic. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's gotta Uh, be one of the funnier stories I've ever heard. (sighs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. That trumps some of the other ones we've heard. So we knew, we knew one was in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, what do you have planned for the rest of the year, uh, running and cycling.
2: Oh, uh, so next up cycling wise is unbound 100, which is the gravel race up there in uh,
0: Wichita, Kansas. That's like, no, the, not isn't that the Emporia. Western States of psych of gravel racing?
2: Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. It's a lifetime uh, event and uh, Emporia, Kansas hosts it every year in June, the first weekend in June, last year I completed the 200 Ooh. and i barely missed beating the sun by 11 minutes. There was a stretch of mud and I don't, you know, no excuses, but if not for the mud, I definitely would have been in under 11 minutes and uh, I got in and it was just, there's still people supporting, but it just felt like the day got away, right? It's already nine o'clock at night. You're just, you're spent from the day. So this year I said, I'm going to put in for the 100 and see if I can't go up there and just enjoy the atmosphere, right? All the, the good vibes galore up there is such a great event so i did get in, and i'm gonna be up there racing the 100 this year um, and by a, racing uh, i mean i'm not at the front with with the pro cyclists that show up last year peter Sagan raced the 100 um i saw him on course i was 40 miles in and started an hour before him he caught up to us at the 40 mile mark i got an awesome selfie with him <laughs> that was that kind of made the race, you know, kind of made my day. But yeah, the hundred's gonna be a I saw. much 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 better time spent in Kansas. From there, I'm gonna I... go to Colorado in June and do a little training. Say that again, Robbie.
1: Oh, I was gonna say go, I'll let you finish. We're gonna go train in Colorado.
2: Oh, and then uh, yes, just uh spend some time in Colorado, ride the Rockies is going on uh, middle of June. I'd like to see some friends over there and do a day or two of ride the rockies um i did that in 2019 right as i was retiring from the air force so that was a, that was a fun one uh, and uh, i'm just gonna go it's, it's a different course every time different different area day three of ride the rockies this year goes through rocky mountain national forest just probably a beautiful i think they built the whole route around that day it's going to be a beautiful ride and uh knowing that i have some friends up there that are going to be doing it maybe we can work out the logistics of me showing up for a day to get to ride what's what looks to be just a magnificent day on the bike. And then from there, I'm going to somehow travel from Colorado to Duluth, Minnesota. And at the, the third weekend in June is the grandma's marathon. It's a road course. It's fast. It's probably one of the better marathons in the country. And I'm pretty excited to run that one. It's been on the list. I, I did a Boston qualifier marathon here in Texas last year in October. And I said, if I didn't qualify for Boston, I would uh, spend the same amount of money, time, and energy to go run grandmas in Duluth. It's also a Boston qualifier. So if I if I put in the effort and do a little bit more running than cycling, maybe I can uh, have a better outcome. But that's,
1: that's <laughs> June. I've heard good things about that marathon.
2: Yes. I'm running Marine Corps in September with a friend. Uh, we deferred that from last year to this year. So I'll go up there with Caroline and run Marine Corps. And then uh, I'm really, I've been my a good friend from high school, uh, signed up for uh, Georgia Death Race in March next year. Nice. And Ooh, it's been on nice. it's been on list for a really long time. So I think it might be next year. He's already, Ryan's already registered. Uh, we just kind of reconnected. He was in San Antonio for some for some business recently. Had him over to the house, met up for dinner. We hung out. And uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about Red Dern and getting after Georgia Death Race. So that'll be the next really big one.
1: Nice. I was good. I forgot to ask, did you put, are you going to put in for a goal? Uh, geez Golden. Golden hours on the mind. Uh, Western States, since you got the, the ticket.
2: So I guess, yes, I did get it. I did get a ticket for my Rocky finish, I suppose. Uh, I did not get one at Bandera. I was not sub 17, uh, which is what, what you need at Bandera hundred K for a Western States ticket. I did the first, the first time I did Bandera, but I did not put in that year. And I, I don't think I'll put in this year. Um, I, I always tell people, you know, the Western States or the Boston thing to me, I'm like, I want to have the experience before getting to that big game and having one 100 mile run under my belt. I just don't know that I can that I can put myself in that situation and feel like I'm aptly prepared for what that is. Um, same goes for Boston, right? So now I've run, I don't know how many marathons and, and then marathons within my ultras, right. That I'd love to run Boston because I know what 26.2 miles feels like on any given day, um, with little training and with a lot of training. Um, but with the Hundred miler with Western states. I just don't know that I can put myself in that situation until I've probably got a half dozen hundreds under my belt.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it's a. I mean, it's the luck of getting in you know, pretty far out there. But like you said, getting into that race, it definitely yeah takes a lot, <laughs> a lot of your time. Then, then the logistics of all that race just sound crazy to me. I mean. Got to have a dedicated crew, all that
0: stuff. Yeah, I feel like if you get into Western states, it's just like, it's a lot. Like, you got to get out to California and then you, you know, you want to give it your all at that one. Not that you didn't give your all at all the other hundreds or the races, but, you know, that's your people like us are not going to get into Western states every year. And so you may only have one opportunity to do it. And so, you know, you want to fly your crew out, you want to get your pacers going. Like, you got to give it your all when you get when you get drawn so no i feel you get some get some more experience under your belt i don't feel like if i got drawn i would be ready for it but i'm not going to turn it down i'm going to go out there but uh, (laughs) (laughs) hey hey what do you what do you think uh now that you've done a hundred mile um run and a 200 mile bike what's uh comparatively i think the 200
2: mile bike is easily compared easier compared to a hundred K run than it is a hundred mile.
0: Oh, hundred K. Okay.
2: Um, I was about the, and now, mind you, this was on gravel, not on road. So, you know, much, much to the same of road running and trail running, you know, your times are a little bit slower on a trail run than they are on a road run. Um, and the same goes for gravel riding versus road riding. So my time of 17 hours on the, or no, yeah, 15 hours on the, on the gravel bike. Right out there for 200 miles is similar to 15 hours of, of me running a hundred K.
0: Yeah. Huh. I, I, I've never, I have a gravel bike and I ride it a lot, but I've never, I've never done a gravel race. So I, I am intrigued on a gravel race.
2: That goes back to even what I said earlier about, you know, my, my mileage for the week or, you know, my training time for the week. Right. I, I really like to look at things a lot more closely in time than I do in in distance. Um and then when I look at training for something like that uh I like to have let's say I'm going I'm planning to run 100k and it's and I mentally I'm like I think it's going to take me 17 hours. I like to have about 17 hours in a given week of activity about 3 weeks maybe even 4 weeks if we're really stretching it prior, right? And that's running and cycling, but you're gonna focus a lot more on the running if it's yeah. if it's an But I like to have that time allotted. Like I've done 17 hours of work in a week. I think I can do 17 hours in a
0: day. Now how do you break that down? Let's say you're running a hundred K and you're going to still incorporate your cycling with your running. Like what is your what is your week to week look like typically? Uh
2: it's probably for for bandera this year it was probably closer to like 80% cycling 20% running uh and you know you use that that training uh intensity and volume metric also i it, maybe it's it's pretty close to that if i'm really trying to set after the a goal and i think you know that's that's within reason then i'm i'm putting in a lot more running hours but it's it's so tough my schedule's built around cycling with friends and go into these daily group rides that actually take place in the morning uh, when most people are at work, uh, the traffic is pretty low and I just have these groups that I go out and ride with almost like a, almost like a daily work schedule like yeah. Monday where I'm at Tuesday. This is where I'm at.
1: <laughs> I like that.
2: I'm yeah. Busy. <laughs> it, it, it's maybe the military structure in me still. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I want to transition into uh something new in my life journey that I'm taking on but you're three years into sobriety can you yes. uh, talk about why you chose to com- become sober um did you have like a rock bottom moment uh was it yeah just go ahead and tell us about why you decided to choose a sobriety life
2: I I Robbie I think honestly I'm probably more uh honored and 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 thrilled to have this conversation than, than even the running conversation, you know, it's been such a positive impact in my life. Uh, I, I started drinking, I don't know, in my teens, um, and then joined the military in my teens and everybody else drank too. Like that's what people did to let loose and, and let go quickly. It became something where I didn't have an off switch. And if I drank a beer, it was, I'm going to get hammered it's time to get inebriated. Like we go to the social setting with the, with the purpose and intent of let's get intoxicated and figure it out later. Who's driving home. Or, you know, a lot of the times, like that wasn't even in, in the plan. It was, that gets figured out later. How you get home? Where you sleep that night? I mean, if I passed out on somebody's couch, there was just some really sad stories uh, that go along with that for the better part of my 21 year military career. And I'm very, very lucky. I never got into any kind of trouble. No, uh, Justin knows this terminology, but alcohol related incidents in the military are a very big thing. And uh, I somehow kept my butt out of trouble.
0: Surprisingly, they hammer you you for those.
2: They will. And, and so I, um, you know, it was a priority. Like my retirement ceremony was like, where can we plan this? Where can we go so that everybody can get drunk and, and, and be safe about it? Of course, I'm probably the drunkest guy there in most situations. And I'm I'm sad and embarrassed. And I actually like there's people that I cease communication with, unfortunately, because I'm so embarrassed of my actions um, over that time where I prioritize that stuff that I just, you know, I don't want to fall back into that trap. And so on my 40th birthday in 2019, I brought in 40 like I was turning 21. Um, But probably worse started drinking at noon went for a 40 mile bike ride, (laughs) went to the bar started drinking at noon. And by eight o'clock, I was in no condition to perform any kind of routine duties, whatsoever. And I think my kids were scared. Uh, You know, we're celebrating my birthday, right? Like Dad's turning 40. This is a big deal. And uh, I I wish that the that day was better. (laughs) but I woke up the next day and I said, I'm never touching it again. Uh, I've never been to an alcoholic anonymous meeting. Um, I don't work a program. I simply just said, I am never drinking again. And if I ever do, and I've started saying this recently, I, I wasn't even able to admit that I had that I like call myself an alcoholic until um, that badger 100 where uh i, I kind of had this eye-opening event during you know that lead up and run of that 100k that i was like you know what i i really did have an, an alcohol problem i i was an alcoholic and uh, and now i say if, if i ever touch it again i'm going straight to rehab like there's and then i'm working a program right then i'm then i'm doing what needs to be done to stay off of it completely um, and a little bit about that Well, the, the tie in with that was, uh, the guy that ran across Texas. He celebrated seven years of sobriety on that trip and, uh, and did it to, to bring awareness, uh, to an organization in San Antonio called pay it forward which you know, basically helps people stay sober after they get sober, puts them in a situation, you know, in a living situation where they don't, uh, they don't find themselves falling into those bad habits again. So knowing that, programs like that exist I think if I ever were to have a bad day and something happened then that's right where I'm going I I do not want to drink I do not want to prioritize alcohol in my life ever again
1: how <clears throat> some of the struggles that I've you know been dealing with is you know I uh, I used you know more than half of my life it sounds like you you pretty much did the same thing yeah. Then becoming sober, um, I've heard someone else put it this way. It's like that teenage, whenever you started using that teenage, that teenage person who I was, uh, was pent up and I used some kind of substance to blunt it for you know more than half of my life. Then I was right back to that teenage kid again, dealing with those emotions that I had when I was started drinking or using a substance how have you dealt with those emotions did you have anything similar like that
2: i don't i don't know that it was necessarily emotion as it was social for me right it was any social setting i thought i i couldn't stop i couldn't i couldn't put it down and so what i think what i've done to protect myself in that way is i've actually distanced myself from people that i was with in those settings when i found myself getting intoxicated right and so people that i drank with recently people that i was drunk with recently before i quit i probably haven't seen them much if at all in the past three and a half years
1: yeah so you just you just quit cold turkey what what motivated you to stay not drinking and using
2: (sighs) initially I think it was just the thought of going back on my word. Right. I said, I was going to do this. I'm sticking to it. And, uh, and it's kind of morphed into like, I don't want to upset my family. I don't want to lose my family. Um, I know the importance, I know the developments and the changes in my relationship with my wife of 17 years of marriage. Right. That, three of those years now I've been sober and she's seeing, she's seeing a different person. Um, The kids see a different person, right? I'm, I'm a lot more present when it comes to evening times. I'm able to be there for them and hang out and do all the activities that we do. Uh, You find me riding the bike or training during the day, get that over with. And then I'm there with my kids. I used to think that after I finished my bike ride or my run, that it was the, I gave myself the excuse or the reason to well you know you did that so you can have a beer you know but i couldn't put it down after that so now i'm just i'm here you know with these uh
1: what i found you know through my years of endurance sports uh that is a priority for a lot of people is go finish the run then we'll have some beers or whatever it is after we're done you know sitting on tailgate sitting in some chairs what have you done now when Those people, you know, after you're done with the, you know, training, riding or running and people want to sit down and drink a beer, do you stay away from those people or do you just do your own thing?
2: Honestly, a lot of times for me, it depends on if I knew about it beforehand or not. So if I know that they're going to sit down and pull out a cooler and that everybody's hanging out afterward. I can prep myself. And like we talked about earlier with the Mountain Dew, right. I've got, I've got some Mountain Dew and I'll sit there and and socialize uh, with, th- with that as, as my drink of choice. Um, if I don't know that it's happening or if I start seeing people get inebriated, I, I have to exit, you know, I leave the, I leave the situation and just, and just go home. And it's tough for me because a lot of times I'm, I'm the last to leave, right. I'm the guy that wants to hang out and wants to be, social with everyone. My wife knows, I say, I'm going out for a three hour bike ride. It's going to be a seven hour endeavor because (laughs) four hours after the bike ride, I'm still socializing. And I'm sure people listen to this and they're like, Oh yeah, Steve was on that podcast. And they're going to hear it and be like, man, that makes sense. Like he always hangs out to the end and it's not necessarily a FOMO thing. Or I just, I'm, I, I want to be there. I want to be around people and it's not to take away from my family, but it's just, that's how I connect with others. That's how I get my energy as an extrovert. And it's it's just who I've always been. I think that's why I had the drinking problem, right? Like I would want to stay. And oh, he's having another beer. I'm having another beer, right? They're having another shot, another round. Let's go. And I just yeah. stuck around.
0: You know, you just so said something that, you... that was kind of sorry, Robbie. I didn't mean I just said something that kind of kind of caught me that was interesting you said you got your energy from i'm not trying to deviate away from the storyline by any means but i i I resonate with what you said because i'm 100 percent an extrovert as well and i get my energy from being around people too and i i've never thought of it like that and that's a an interesting take on 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 extroverts because a lot of people aren't you know and so it's hard uh making a transition when you don't have people so that's that's an interesting take yeah
1: do you think uh, your your cycling and your running has did you use it as an outlet?
2: The cycling or the drinking?
1: No. Now, now that you've been sober, do you find that as an outlet to not want to drink, or
2: I find that my my priorities are different, you know, and that I know. I don't, I, I think initially I saw, you know, a, an increase or a peak in performance when I quit drinking and, and now being sober and, you know, still putting in the same, the same types of training um, without a coach, mind you, like I just, you know, I just do all my own stuff. Um, could you imagine a coach trying to figure out he wants to do <laughs> a hundred mile gravel ride at the beginning of June. And then he wants to run a marathon at the end of June. And in, in the <laughs> meantime, it's going to, travel and ride the bike yeah so i think um i think a a lot of it just kind of plateaued at one point you know off to where i i hit that benchmark i'm good um i still use the cycling or the running as an outlet in the social capacity you don't find me going out for a run by myself or going going for a bike ride by myself too often Uh, i've got to be in a, a pretty special headspace to to go take that on, on my own. (laughs) Sometimes I'll get frustrated, you know, a ride or a run will fall through in the morning or the weather sucks. And I'm like, Oh man, but I still want to do something today. And it's really tough for me with my personality that probably can wear a lot of people out. I already know this about me, but to (laughs) to go out on my own and and say, I'm going to get after it today. That's probably some of the harder things. And, And so then think about like running an ultra, right. And that time you spend alone out there, getting to where you can finally pick up a pacer and and have that that connection and that conversation i think a lot of that is like i'm just a ball of energy when i meet my pacer right i'm like (laughs) I I i cannot wait to be out here you know taking this on with you yeah what
1: have you learned about yourself from being sober
2: um i actually so between that and like you know conversations with my wife I've, I've tried to have a lot more of my own time of quiet time of in my, in my own space. And again, that's, it's something that's really, really hard for me, but I think in sobriety, that's something that I try and do more than I ever would have. If I was drinking is, is taking time by myself for myself, just collecting.
1: So, so so for me, I'm very introverted. So. I'm complete opposite. Yeah, Uh, you know, I can I can go do long runs or do any of this stuff on my own in my own head, um, which has helped me a ton with you know being sober. Uh, I work a lot of stuff out. A lot of stuff comes to fruition in my head while I'm out there by myself. But what I have a problem with is now going out into those social settings, uh, because I'm so in my own head that I don't. I don't want to listen to other people, you know, I, I don't know how I I'll have to figure that out, but what would you give advice for someone that is the complete opposite of you?
0: That's a tough one.
2: <laughs> it is. Tough. This, this might take a minute to come to kind of like the uh, embarrassing story. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you talking more on the lines of being an introvert and as, as opposed to an extrovert and like, he thrives off of people versus yes where you like being alone. And so trying to beat yourself back into the situation. Yeah. That's a tough one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I've, I've, I've I've talked with other people that, you know, when the same thing with me, when I drink, it was on, it's like, let's close this place down. That's just who I am. I'm an intense person. That's why I think endurance sports have got me because you know, you can go run a hundred mile and you're, you know, you're going to be on the trail for 20, 30 hours. You know, that's something I look forward to, but now that this is all flipped, uh, it's a little, it's a little different. So, you know, you being an extrovert and having a hard time by yourself, it's a complete opposite of me trying to get back into the social scene.
0: Yeah.
2: Right. But I think for me, like I wasn't the type of alcoholic that was drinking alone. You yeah. know, I, I wasn't, Coming home and, and sitting there, you know, getting getting drunk by myself. Like I was out doing things in the social setting when when I was getting intoxicated as well. So. Still going out and doing that just without the alcohol, how do you do it as so- an introvert when when maybe it's maybe an in, an introvert uses the alcohol to kind of loosen them up right to 100
1: percent, 100 percent.
2: That's that's the guy standing against the wall in the room, or the guy that you know goes to the center of the room type story.
1: Yeah, I was always a social drinker. I never drank alone. Um, I was always, uh, you know, but it was a very social lubricant. Um, anxiety would give me social anxiety. You know, after a couple of drinks, it's pretty easy to open up. Uh, but now, without that, get me in a room with you know fifty people that are sober or drinking. I mean, I'm going to say anything. I'm going to be quiet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See, that's very odd because like, I don't understand that. That's like, I don't know. And I'm sure Steve's the same way. We just kind of like, we attract ourselves to the crowd, like, or the the crowd is somewhat around us. I don't know. It's just, you you find the crowd. I don't know. I go seek it. I tell all the people here that I'm a social butterfly. You got to let me fly. (laughs) (laughs)
2: All that many, many times in my life.
0: I have a question. Did you notice a big, uh, performance, um, enhancement when you quit and when you would get sober?
2: Yeah, I think initially I did. Um, initially I was able to to take on more training for the week, whether that was because I wasn't waking up, you know, hung over with a headache or, you know, the performance actually went up, but by doing so, then I could put in bigger weeks. Therefore, the fitness was up and I just, I just felt way better. Yeah. But yeah, like I said before, like that kind of plateaued at one point where I don't know when I can't pinpoint the, the plateau in that. But then I, I remember joking with a friend. I said, well, maybe my next step is like worrying about the diet, you know, which would mean cutting out the Mountain Dew. And <laughs> that's, that's a whole nother podcast I think. Cause wow. It's, <laughs> you know, going from going from drinking the way I do to, you know, getting rid of the sugar. That's, I mean, it's just another drug, but yeah.
0: True. I, I cut, I cut sugar out. Um, I guess artificial sugars. I cut artificial sugars out after Rocky and like have really cleaned my diet up. And I'll tell you what, man, that's, that's tough. I quit tobacco about seven or eight years ago and yeah, that was tough. But I think, uh, sugars like the artificial sugars, I eat fruits and honey and stuff like that, but I don't eat like you know, sugar, sugar, but, right. and I was a big component of grabbing whatever you can grab to help fuel you on a run to go into, you know, more natural stuff. And so that's, that's been a struggle, but, uh, Robbie's kind of also on the same path has been on the same path for years. And so he's kind of been coaching me up on it, but, um, yeah, sugar's tough, man.
2: <laughs> right. You yeah, ever hear about the people who like, they'll, they'll quit sugar for like, I don't know, two weeks or a month before their big runs. So that, or, or caffeine so that in the middle of the night on, on the hundred miler, you know, you, you need that boost. And then it's just like, Oh my God. Uh, same could be with like aspirin, right? Don't take anything for, for pain mitigation.
0: That would, that would be crazy. I can't cut caffeine out. There's no way. I have to have my coffee every morning.
1: (laughs) So, what would what kind of advice would you give someone that's uh, maybe looking to s- stop using uh, alcohol or any substance to take that um, first step?
2: Well, I think I, regardless of the approach and the avenues that you use, right, the resources are available to, to get clean and to live to live sober life. Um, that you have to. There's there's a process. There's a, there's steps built in there but you don't do it alone so whether you just got to have the conversations and and you do it alone there's there's always someone out there who's willing to help whether it's you know you going through this this 12-step program or just having someone who's checking on your accountability saying hey you know how was your day today what kind of triggers i mean heck there's even apps for it I've got an app that I put in the date that I quit drinking and it, it'll show me, you know, three years, 172 days, nine hours and 57 minutes. And that's not me looking at it right now. I mean, I'm not checking it that often, but just, just seeing that right. And seeing that progress.
1: Yeah. I just, I just recently accountability. Yeah. Downloaded an app too. Just after I got after, you know, after a hundred days, I kind of, you know, I thought the 100 day would be some kind of crazy benchmark, but it was just another damn day. And uh, it was a bad day, actually, just for life and whatever headspace I was in. Then I forgot. Then uh, I was talking to my sister. She's like, how many days now? And I was like, I don't know. So I downloaded that app just to (laughs) hold myself a little more accountable. And you know, it helps when you see that pop up and say, this is day, blah, 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 whatever. And, you know, I'm very new to this journey, but Uh, It's something that I'm going to keep pushing out
0: for for both of you guys. Do you have a, uh, do you have someone that you kind of like rely on that you call or text? I mean, it's like maybe having a struggle day. Do you, is there someone that you can rely on that like a friend of yours or family member?
2: For me, maybe I do and I don't know it, or maybe I do and they don't know it. Hmm. Uh, I think, just my personality, the way it is. I do a lot of things involuntarily. It just, it just happens, and uh, it happens naturally for me, and it helps. But I, w- I would say, you know, kind of like Robbie was talking about, like there will be challenges. You know, don't think that any of it's going to be easy. You know, a hundred days or ten years. Even if you know day day one hundred, of course, you know, expect challenges. Expect push back and expect bad days
1: for me it's uh, my sister because we both i started before her <clears throat> before her um but uh after talking with her she realized that she needed to quit using a substance herself and we made a pact to text each other every day uh just to see where we're at and uh it's been huge because we both one days, one person's having a good day another person could be having a bad day both could be having good days we both could be having shitty days <clears throat> but once i get that text and you know sometimes it's just truly little stupid stuff and she's like why are you bummed out about that then brings <laughs> me back and i'm like oh <laughs> you're right then you know there's been times where she's like send me this text and i'm like whoa i mean where wh- look how far you've come and all of whatever you know and She's like, oh, yeah, I was just in a bad place. So, and I've, you know, I I have some other resources that I use, too. Um, But like you said, it it really takes a team for one person to keep going through this journey, because out of anything I've done in my life, this is the hardest thing ever.
2: I think so, too. When you're looking at, you know, we're talking to dudes that have run 100 milers yeah so you know
1: 100 mile or any day compared to what i've gone right. through in the last 100 days
2: <laughs> R- related to that and related to someone who's like i could never run 100 miles yeah you know and yeah i mean it is it's the hardest thing we've ever done so for sure
1: one last question um have you forgave yourself
2: for my drinking habits yes i I absolutely have, um, in the 12 step program, they talk about amends and, and making amends again. And I, I've never sat through the 12 step program, but I know about that. Right. And so I knew that I had to do that with myself and forgive myself for my actions, for my lack of priorities and just move on in sobriety.
1: Yeah. I I don't do any programs either. Um, AA is a little weird to me, just, I mean, it's a good thing, but. Uh, I just don't truly believe in it works hundred percent works. I just, uh, their crosstalk stuff I hear about no crosstalk. And, uh, I've talked to some other people and they're like, it's just not the best thing. So I'm stubborn and I want to do this on my own. It sounds like you kind of, you know, done it on your own too. Uh, but you know, I didn't even think about it till someone's like, did you forgive yourself? If you don't start with forgiving yourself there's no there's this is not going to work right and to think about that and i'm like why do i need to forgive myself i didn't do anything to myself but then it took a few days and then i was like oh i have to tell myself i'm sorry if i don't i can't you know go on with this journey and that was a, uh, that was pretty damn hard yeah because there's no like i didn't hurt any people uh you know i've probably done some stupid shit with friends but they've done the same thing but for me to sit down and go why are you sorry that was something i really had to dig deep for and uh i'm proud that i did it uh still like i said a learning experience but man that was hard
2: <laughs> it's that having the conversation with yourself yeah are there, and, you, you know there have
0: organizations I've thought- out there that uh there's, there's like bigger than the trail that is kind of the mental health organization, um, you know, that's centered around helping anybody, but you know, you, I see it a lot in the, in the trail running community and a lot of ambassadors out there and it's a great program. Are there any programs out there that are for us endurance athletes that they can reach out to that's kind of centered around, you know, how we're, we're crazy individuals (laughs) doing the, the hundred mile (laughs) runs and the 200 mile bike rides and stuff like that. It's like, you know, you might relate better to someone who's gone through that type of situation, talking to them as opposed to someone who doesn't understand us as, as a community. Is there a community out there that, that someone could reach out to and.
2: N- none that I know of. I mean, I think that would be something worth exploring.
0: Seems like y'all got some work to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That just, uh, just got my wheels turning. Cause uh... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I guess I didn't go looking for that, but I'm not going to lie. I, I, I We could say any sports has their sus- substance issues. Um, right. But what I've just seen through my years of endurance, um, it's it's a big problem. I'm not saying everyone has a problem, but uh, I mean, I, like you were saying, my, a lot of my runs were based off of where well, we're going to go drink when we're done. And all I did was go show up and do the run just to go drink. It wasn't um, the running aspect at that point. And, uh, you know, more that I think about it, it was, yeah, just that. Oh, how many miles are we running today? Oh, we're doing 15. But the bigger question is, well, where's our first drink going to be?
2: Right. But I think so. We should probably clarify on that because I don't think everyone who has a drink after a run. Has a drinking problem, right?
1: No, hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: So I, I think the the what I can relate to myself is that my priorities were messed up. I just wanted to do my run so that I could then have a drink, and once I had a drink, I didn't know how to not have six, seven, eight more drinks and and turn it off. So I think that when we're when we're at an event and the coolers do come out and hopefully you know people who heard us talk about this earlier in the conversation have still stuck around for <laughs> me trying to write the ship here on uh, you know, I don't think that when the coolers come out you're necessarily like doing it so that you can get intoxicated out there. What I'm saying is when the coolers came out and I was there, I thought it was time to get shit faced.
1: That's me too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, like you like you said, it's a priority. I guess my priority was drinking over running at that point. Some days, not all the time. Uh, you know, I've been on runs where you know the right. cooler comes out and I might have one or two because I got something else I gotta go deal with and uh, you know, I gotta be drive or something like that. But there was definitely times where, and you know, I'm the type of person like you were talking about uh, uh, when I do get in the social aspect and I'm around people I'm comfortable with, I don't want it to end. So I'm the type of person too, that can sit around and bullshit for four or five hours, but then you add alcohol to that. And I don't want it to end. I just want to keep going and going. And, you know, I was the type that closed the bar down. Then after the bar closed down, you know, let's go to someone's house and keep going. Um, That was my style. So I guess, like I was saying, when I do something, I, I go big and I was mixing too. (laughs)
2: I mean, I can relate to that. I lived that life too, very similarly.
1: Yeah, it's a, you know, these last hundred or so days have been uh, some of the best days of my life and some of the hardest, but I'm excited for this journey because I feel like I'm starting to learn who I really am with sober and clear intentions of who I am. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, you can go have a few drinks and you you become someone else. Some people do, some people don't, but I totally, I, I know I did um so now like being present as you said is uh is huge
2: yeah well and i i think if anything uh good could come out of this is that connection that that we just established to uh be there for one another too moving forward you know whether it's coming up on four years for me in september or you know over 100 days for you it's it's no different right another day means- of sobriety surprise- is another day of sobriety and whether you've been sober for 10 years before or three days before as we move forward we can we can have that common connection too so i think we've kind of that here talking that's really cool
1: yeah yeah you know they say take it one day at a time and i was like oh that's really bs but it's really one dang day (laughs) at a time man because uh you know, there was more that the more that I've been sober, there'd be like days at work, and I'd come home, and I'd be like, I would have just went and used. Um, uh, I mean, my drug of choice was cannabis, and that was all my life. You know, not all my life, but when I was teens, I was just using cannabis, and alcohol became more of a problem. But now, some of these thoughts that I have that I'm sober without cannabis, because you know, now technology, you could get in your car right after work and be high as soon as you pull out of the parking lot. Um, that yep. was me. That was me. So, you know, a bad day at work. I'm like, Oh, I just can't wait to get to the car and, you know, take a couple hits off my vape pen and everything will be numb and I'll be over. So I never dealt with any of that stuff, you know, now forcing myself to deal with this stuff is, uh, quite the experience. Right. And I'll, li- and I'll leave it as that. <laughs> <laughs> Strangely, well, Steve, thank you. For-
2: I can on. honestly say I have never smoked marijuana in my life.
1: Really? Well, you know, you military people. I've I've been around a lot of military people that have, you know, used cannabis, but uh, I would say the majority have not tried it or never used it because of the drug testing.
2: Yeah, but I mean, even before the military, you know, I think I was too scared of my father to ever even even chance that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, but- I guess it. I guess it's your upbringing too, because uh, you know, my uh, my mom and dad or you know hippies growing up in the 70s um so they they used right in front of me to me it was just a normal day of life i didn't know right or wrong from it so it was just part of you know our culture actually i mean everyone that was around was smoking a joint or two you know uh, i didn't i didn't question it you know i went through the dare program and i didn't even realize that they were using you know smoking <laughs> cannabis i was just like Oh, well, they just roll these cigarettes up and smoke them. That's all I thought. I didn't think anything of it. <laughs> well, uh, Steve, uh, thank you for talking about the sobriety and you know some of the first steps people can take, or you know your story. You know, the more I learn, it's really hard to talk about. Uh, but being open and sharing it, I think, is the only way. Like you said, uh, without one another in this community, it uh, it's a tough hill to climb yeah and I, I really appreciate your openness with it.
2: I'm honored so, to have that conversation. Thank you for thank you for including it on the interview. no doubt
1: no thank you uh, yeah uh, I'm you know you know too you're still on this journey and that's a journey every day uh, Talking to more and more people that have chosen this is uh, it's always good to hear their story too because you always get something a little out of it right that you can you can put in your toolkit and use so <laughs> so two questions we always like to ask our guests is what kind of gear do you use so you can talk about your bikes uh whatever kind of gear you use for bikes we like to uh hear nutrition too uh then running you know shoes, your uh fabletic shorts
2: <laughs> <cause the shape. laughs>
0: He's still using them.
2: <laughs> I, I might still wear them uh, daily, you know, in daily apparel, but definitely not uh, for an endurance. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So, um man, the one thing that I really, really like trail running and gravel riding or mountain biking is I use these vests from USWE. USWE they I think that's how you say it they don't move they are very comfortable and I use it on the mountain bike I attach my GoPro to it on the mountain bike and so I capture some videos Um I share those on Strava I create some mashup videos and and do some uh some Instagram stories or Instagram reels with it um that's probably like when you when you talked about you know what what was going to be the the main piece of equipment that I use those those vests are hands down one of the, one of the greatest. Uh, I also use, I also predominantly or almost what's predominantly run in ultra shoes, uh, trail and road. Those are my go-to for shoes. Uh, nutrition wise, I've always been into tailwind and, uh, my United States military endurance sports team is sponsored by goo. So I've, I've been into goo. I've tried other, other gels i just uh gravitate back to the to the goo energy with the gels and the uh the gum the gummies too so yeah that's that's about it you'll always see me running in a hat um i just picked up an ambassadorship with runner uh, the rnr.co um sometimes i'll wear those hats i've got some some team specific hats that i really like to wear but it's gonna be cool to try out their their hats hats and sunglasses i'm always in a hat and sunglasses so two
0: things you need <laughs> two things no doubt yeah, uh, it's bald, hard so hats you know, are when a, a necessity
2: <laughs> when, when, a, when an endurance run starts before sunrise and you're wearing a headlamp and you have to still remember to take sunglasses with you <laughs> that, that's a tough one to like wrap your head around sometimes in the morning like gotta make sure i got the sunglasses on but the headlamp on at the same time
1: yeah yeah that's true so the second question we like to ask is who should we have on our podcast next uh we're trying to grow our platform it could be you know someone you look up to it could be cycling running it could be anyone we're just uh looking for someone to
2: for sure awesome stories so being the extrovert that i am i if i if i gave one name over someone else here locally in san antonio or someone that i always hang out with i feel like I would have, I would upset or hurt feelings or offend someone (laughs) else. Right. So this one was kind of a tough one for me, but I thought long and hard about it. And, uh, there was a guy that I met on this is kind of a six ways from sideways story that I'll, that I'll get to the end guy. I met on the Badger 100 K and he was doing a run at the same time as a half marathon. He was running at the same time that this other guy named Micah in Florida was doing his 500th half marathon consecutively in a row. Whoa. Micah Stevert, And so I have never met Micah. I have only had very little interaction with him on Strava because I started following him after learning of his adventure and his endeavor that he was con- that continuously doing. He is now well over 700 days of running. He calls them half Marys. It's really funny. He'll write 700 half Marys in a row. Um <laughs> And, and I've been following ever since the 500, but this guy has been doing half marathons consecutively day in and day out in Florida. I don't think he's getting a whole lot of vert, but he's definitely dedicated time to run, you know, for two hours every single day. Wow. To, to me, setting aside that kind of time, I don't know what his family situation looks like, right? We talk about me, I got two kids and a wife, and I, I don't know what his family situation looks like, but it's just simply setting aside 2 hours to do that every day is astonishing to me
1: my what was the last name again i think
2: Siebert? it's S I V E R T okay let yeah, me uh, what if i just totally spelled it wrong and then this goes out on the uh, on the <laughs> air um, <laughs> you know well, our three listeners you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey i was told we have four now somebody was like hey i listen to your podcast you have four and i was like oh well cool All
2: okay I, I i did misspell the name it's m-i-k-a is his first name okay S S H E V I T. whoa
1: i would have never got that right i'm glad yeah, we uh, I'm, got I'm, that yeah uh, and figured you know
2: out. i'll apologize to the guy because i've never met him but i did just butcher his uh his last name and so now i did get it right but yeah it's we might not have
1: <laughs> that's all good well thanks uh for coming on the podcast We really appreciate you know you uh hearing your stories and your yeah, life and yeah. sobriety um we'd like to give you you know a few minutes to tell people where to find you where to follow you you know any sponsors or ambassador stuff you want to shout out that you deal with uh so we'll give you a couple minutes and uh, shout them cool. out
2: Cool. yeah i you know a lot of times around town uh and and elsewhere that i go uh people know me as fairweather steve and i think you guys saw that on strava but it was an alias that morphed while i was in korea training and so the Fairweather steve thing is what's on strava the instagram is fws for fairweather steve dot motivation so just fws dot motivation on instagram and uh and that's my thing like inspiring and motivating others is is kind of what people always say i do like you know i get these comments all the time about how how inspired they were by something i did and so I thought that was a, a pretty good one to go with um, the, the teams of band of runners for veterans, for veteran trail runners, band of runners is where it's at um, for military and veteran endurance athletes, United States military endurance sports. And uh, yeah, a sponsorships. I have one locally. It's a company called crisis with a K and uh, I do some float therapy and some infrared therapy over there to, uh, to do the recovery the float therapy is my way of uh, spending that quiet time alone and just uh not having my phone not having any other outside influences so that one's been a really good place for me to escape and float therapy's just just been a wonderful thing for me to do um there's a few other ambassadorships but that's you know that's on the Strava if you want to read all about it in my bio (laughs) that's all there
1: nice well, Steve, thanks for uh, coming on and uh, telling your
2: story. It was uh, it was a pleasure. Yes, thank you, Robbie and Justin, for having me. Absolutely, man. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll be in touch.